More of Lake Effect now on 89.7 WUWM. I'm Joy Powers, and it's time now for our monthly segment on entrepreneurship. Hi, I'm Kathleen Gallagher. Kathleen is the executive director of the Milwaukee Institute, and I'm Tim Keene. Tim is founder and director of Golden Angel Investors, and this is How Did You Do That? a show about successful entrepreneurs and how and why they succeeded. I think every client we thought for sure would follow us didn't, and everyone we didn't think would come did. It was really, I think we were really, really surprised. Lori Hoke graduated first in her class from University of Southern California Law School, worked at two of Milwaukee's biggest law firms, then became in-house counsel for the trust department at Wisconsin's largest bank. She was on track for a comfortable corporate legal career. Then, however, four money managers who were starting their own firm came calling. At the first meeting, they asked Lori a lot of questions about setting up a new company. And then at the second meeting, they had a few more. And then came the big one. Would she run the firm? Lori agreed in 2004 to lead Cortina Asset Management while her four partners managed client investments. They grew to 28 employees and $3 billion of assets under management. Fifteen years later, in the summer of 2019, Silvercrest Asset Management Group bought Cortina for $45 million, plus an additional $26 million if certain benchmarks are met over the next four years. Hey, Lori, welcome to How Did You Do That? Thank you. Good to be here. Lori, you grew up in Milwaukee, the daughter of a Milwaukee public school guidance counselor and a stay-at-home mom. Money was tight. How did this situation breed your work ethic? Well, my dad worked, like you said, as a middle school guidance counselor, and then he worked in the summers year-round was just what everybody had to do. And so he worked as a driver's ed teacher in the summer for MPS. And so we, if we wanted anything, I did gymnastics when I was younger. I paid for it. I worked at Blockbuster Video. I waitressed. I did all the different things because we had money to exist, but that was about it. There was no room for all these other activities that cost money. So you went to college at the University of Arizona. So I did. How, how'd you wind up there? Um, well, I was looking at schools to do gymnastics. Um, and then if you recall the movie, Revenge of the Nerds, where they have the big carnival and the sororities and fraternities and all the sports going on, that actually was filmed at U of A. And the day I went to visit was the day it was going on. And I thought, I'm 18 years old or 17 years old at the time. I thought, this is the greatest thing ever. Who wouldn't want to come here? And so by the time I was back home, I picked it and said, OK, we're going. I'm not sure it was the most responsible way to pick a school, but it worked out well and it was fun. And I really, you grow up a lot when you go across the country by yourself. And was it like the movie? It was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, still going on today? You must have been a pretty good gymnast. You we went on a gymnastics yeah. scholarship, but you blew out your knee shortly into your gymnastics yeah. college career. They let you stay there anyway on scholarship. Uh, you went to law school at University of Southern California. You got a job clerking in Los Angeles. You were set to live in the West. What, what made you come back to Wisconsin? My now husband, who I've known since we were little, but just had mutual friends. I was in town for a wedding and we got to talking, and then we started to talk a little bit when I went back to L.A., and then we talked some more when I came in town, and there was no way my husband was going to move to California. He had never been on a plane before, much less going out to L.A. So um, I said, all right, I'll give it a chance. I'll come back to Milwaukee, see if I can find anything to do. If not, then what's the worst that happens? I'll go back to L.A. So I'm glad I did. I don't think I would have enjoyed L.A. So... Then you built a career as a lawyer 
that had you in a great job at MNI by age 30. But then the four guys walk in and change everything. Tell us about how you thought about that. Well, it was funny. Through a mutual friend, they said, can we sit down just to go through wh what we need to understand if we're going to um, start our own firm and what do we need on the compliance and the legal and all of that? So I sat, sat down with them. And then after a couple times of sitting, they said, well, we just want to pick stocks the same way we always did. Will you do everything else? And I thought, wow, what did I say in these last couple of meetings that, that gave me the impression I was qualified to do that? And then I thought, well, what the heck? Um, what's the worst that happens is we blow up. We don't have any clients after a year, and I have to go back to a big law firm or an in-house job that I feel pretty comfortable I could get. So I said, why not? Let's try it. So did you said yes right away. I right? did. So then you came home to your husband who was teaching at a Catholic school yeah. and your twin daughters who yeah. were two. And, and what was your husband's reaction to the fact that you had just said yes to leaving a good job? Yeah, I'm not sure how much detail I shared with him at the time. I think it was more of a, hey, I'm going to do a different job. Not, hey, I'm risking our entire future for the next 12 months. You know, I was confident enough that I had a backup of I could go back to any of the big law firms if it always a mess so but I these guys had no clients no we had no right? clients yeah so. nothing we had nothing no space no computers we did that all and against that background you had one of these wonderful large corporate moments where em and i walked you out of the building oh that was yeah that was fun um i think because it's because kathleen you put my name in the journal sentinel story at the time I remember that and story <laughs> Yes. Just for the record, that was Kathleen that did that. Yeah. You you did come in and tell me about it, <laughs> yes. I want to be clear. <laughs> Apparently, Em and I did not take too kindly to having their chief legal officer's name in the paper as leaving while she was still employed at Em and I. So um, the funny thing is, it, like, as an attorney there, I couldn't access any client. I wouldn't even know how to access a client file or anything, but they were a little unhappy with how that was broadcast and my new role so they boxed my stuff up and escorted me to the elevator thankfully my cube was not too far from the elevator you know it's interesting milwaukee has a good share of money managers and money management firms you guys got advice from andy ziegler who founded artisan funds right he right. sat down with and yeah he, he gave us the list of um the four guys my four partners sat with him for a long time a couple times and he gave the list of what not to do instead of everybody can tell you what they would do, but he gave us the list of what not to do. And one of the first things he said is the portfolio managers should just stick to managing money. Don't try to figure out how to settle trades, how to get health insurance for the company, how to set up computers. You go find somebody that does that. You guys do what the clients are paying you to do. So we did that on day one. Your four partners had a list of clients they thought would follow them from U.S. Bank. And so how did that work out? I think every client we thought for sure would follow us didn't, and everyone we didn't think would come did. It was really, I think we were really, really surprised. The clients that we thought would be nearly impossible to get were some of the first that came over. Um, why was that, do you think? I think some of it is the types of clients, and some of it was just learning for us, but a lot of the public pension clients we assumed would not move quickly just because they're, it's public, they're more nervous, um, and those were actually some of the first ones. And 
I don't know if some of it was luck where there just weren't a lot of good small cap managers and people realized that, that we had a fortunate time with timing in the market and, and underperforming managers and we had a really great track record. And some of it was with public plans, like it's just hard to do anything. And so even if they wanted to sort of fire us, it it just takes too long. So we got the benefit of, of that in the beginning. And then we had great, great numbers the first couple of years. So even the ones that we didn't think would come came pretty quickly. When you say great numbers, you mean performance, performance numbers. Yeah. You know, we should jump in and explain a little. There are stockbrokers who help people uh, choose stocks and bonds or mutual funds. And then there are managers like you guys were who manage big pools of money and, and you really take discretion. You make all the decisions about the money for, uh, tell us like who would some of the clients be that you would have? Well, about a third was public pension. So it was either an employee retirement fund of somewhere. Um, and some of those are, are public, like Florida State's uh, Teachers Fund is one that we had. Uh, there's a bunch of foundations, non-public foundations, that are trying to manage their assets so that they can save the foundation and the cash as long as they can and extend it. Um, there's so we, There was a good amount of public company dollars, whether it be retirement assets or their foundation or just their cash account. So it was kind of a mix. But everything other than we didn't do any of the individual, any of the retail, any of that piece. So you chose to handle just institutional accounts and not retail. Um, why is that? Well, the margin on retail accounts is not great. They are far more difficult clients to deal with because those are generally individuals. They're paying attention on a, some of them on a daily basis, some of them on an hourly basis on their portfolio. They typically have lower fees. It costs more operationally. So in the beginning, we said we weren't going to go down that path. And we were fortunate enough that we never really had to. Mm. I think if you started a firm today, you'd have to base a huge percent of your clients on that retail chain. But and, we and got lucky and didn't have to do that at all. And why is that? Institutional investors now are going more passive. They're just going to index funds, ETFs, different things aside from hiring active managers like us. And so as those clients go away, you have to replace them with something. And so you're seeing more and more people replacing them with retail, whether it be some kind of commingled trust or a retail mutual fund or wrap programs with brokers. It's it's a huge part of the business now. And it's not a great profitable business. What made you decide to sell Cortina? I'd say the last 18 to 24 months, we realized that the institutional space was not growing at all and it didn't appear to be growing anywhere in the near future either. And so I think we looked and said, let's see what's out there um, and see if there is a buyer that's a good fit. And once we started that process, there was interest. So we knew the timing was right. I just want to take it back a little bit, Lori, to um, when you first started Cortina. You know, you talked about all of the um, the things you had to do to get it set up. You had to get the HR and you had to set up payroll and and the, the computers, everything else. What were some of the challenges in trying to do that, in trying to start a firm from scratch? Oh, I mean, 
there were so many things that you don't realize as smart people that you have to do that you just take for granted when you work in an office. Like, I remember one of the guys and I, we were trying to FedEx a contract to one of the potential clients, and we're standing downstairs at the FedEx box, and we were FedExing it to Madison, and we're looking at it because it says next day air, and we're both sitting there saying, well, are they really going to fly it to Madison? Is there like a next day ground? This seems really silly. And, you know, so I've got a guy with an MBA from Chicago, and I have a law degree, and I think we spent 25 minutes trying to decide which envelope to put a FedEx in. Because in all of our careers, I think you just handed it to someone and they FedExed it. So, you know, we had things like that that you never would have, like, never would have dawned on me how to get a FedEx account. And, you know, by the time we figured it all out, it's all fine. But there were so many things like, just silly things like that, that you don't think about. We had people come in in the winter with winter coats and we had no hangers for them. So we were taking one of the guy's shirts that he had dry cleaned that he had in his office. We took the wire hanger from that and we tried to hang a coat on it in the coat closet. And of course it was too heavy to, so we walked back in to get the coats for all these people and they're all on the floor in the coat room. So we're trying to quick pick them up and distract them. So before we even got to like, what kind of computer do you buy? There was so many things that you don't think about, but you know, those are fun things you look back on and say, okay, we went from that to where we are. What about hiring people? You've got some real definite views about hiring people, right? Yeah, and I've done, I can tell you as a mom and what my kids are looking at doing, I've totally done a 180 after we started Cortina. I think I was, I think before when I hired at the bank, I was far more focused on what majors people had, where do they go to school, what's their experience versus at Cortina, some of the best people, I mean, my, um, one of the guys on the trading desk who was one of our best employees was a geology major at Boulder. And somebody gave him a referral to our office. And so we hired him and he worked out to be great. And I'm guessing had he not come from someone I knew, I would have sort of looked right past him in a pile of resumes because what would I do with a geology major? We've got an English major that turned out to be a great compliance person. So I think going forward, I would just try to see what the person can do, talk to them, bring in. I mean, we interviewed almost everybody that sent a resume in for certain positions just to see, because it's hard to tell from a resume nowadays. You really had to take charge. You had these four highly educated, really smart portfolio managers you had to be the boss of. Was that intimidating? How did you manage that? Um, well, I'm sure they wouldn't tell you I was the boss of them. <laughs> um, actually, they did tell me that many times when I'd call and try and talk to them as a reporter. <laughs> um, I, th I think what really helped with a lot of it is that I owned the firm with them. And so I think it would be very difficult if I didn't have skin in the game. So I think what made things much easier was anything I was telling them we had to do made sense because it was going to hurt me just like it would hurt them or it would help me just like it would help them. So... I think that really helped a lot in terms of getting them to buy into whatever it was that I was saying. So you thought it would take you about six months to find a buyer? Yes. And how'd that, how'd that play out? Um, about 300% longer than it did. So we, we hired a banker in February of 18, thinking by that summer we'd have everything done and 
we didn't sign until July of this year. So it was about 18 months, just a much longer process. We were looking all over the world, talking to people, more meetings, more follow-up, more data. I, I just don't think any of the four of us expected it to be that time-consuming and that long of a process. You're still in your 40s, so not exactly retirement age, but among the buyers you considered, you chose the one that wouldn't have a job for you. The four guys are, are with the acquirer, but you aren't. What made you go with that idea? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. We'd go in some of these meetings, and we'd talk about synergies that you could have if you bought us, and and whenever I was in the meeting, I said it's really weird to sort of synergize yourself out of a job when I was the one doing the books and putting all the financials together. And every other um, buyer that put in a bid, I would have been, I would have stayed and had probably a fairly key role in. So it was interesting. This was the best fit for everybody. And so you've got to wear that hat as a partner in the firm and not look at just yourself and the effect of a deal on yourself. So it, this was the best fit. It's a great fit for our employees. It's a great fit for the partners. It was a good price. It, it made sense for all the reasons. So uh, any more specific indications of what you might do next? I don't know. Maybe I'll do private equity. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll go be a general counsel. Maybe I'll go nonprofit. No, that's about, I don't, I really genuinely don't know right now. I have a bunch of different opportunities that people call with. I just, I'm enjoying not having to do anything right now for maybe another month or so. Whatever you do, it's pretty clear you're uh, willing to take the next risk. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing your story with Thanks, us. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. You can read more about this story and find links to resources by visiting wuwm.com. And listen to all our podcasts at WUWM at the iTunes Store or wherever you get your podcasts. How Did You Do That wraps up today's edition of the show. I'm Joy Powers. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please join us again tomorrow at 10 for another edition of Lake Effect on listener-supported 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. It's 11 o'clock, and stay tuned. Fresh Air is next.